Simmons, it's Chris Ryan. How you doing? Are you ready to tell the damn story? What? What was that? Oh no. You have laryngitis. That's going to be rough for a podcast. That's going to be really terrible. Don't worry. I got you. You just, you know what? Tell me in sign language and we'll be okay. First of all, how you been? Well, yes, of course, the laryngitis, yes. And busy as usual, taking on what? 56 projects this week? Well, that's about your average. I understand that. But, you know, rest your voice. Don't get too crazy. That's what me, huh? You know, school's begun. I've been doing that. We got the editor has the manuscript, so we're waiting to see how that is going. Uh, what, what's been happening in the news? Everybody's talking about Spider-Man's back in the MCU universe, at least for this third, um, uh, film, so that I'll finish that trilogy, and he'll be able to make appearances in other movies while he's making appearances in Sony movies. Okay, uh, good luck, you know, I hope it all works out, I hope they're all thrilling, uh, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of spider films, you know, and uh, I love my wife's pasta, but every night of the week, uh, you know what I'm saying? So hopefully they'll do the right thing with Spider-Man and, and not over spider us, right? All right, so the, the laryngitis is kind of rough. I understand uh, the challenges of uh, speaking clearly. Um, or speaking for the first time, right? And that's kind of one of the themes we have today. Today we have the rookies. This is the uh, first time we've interviewed uh, these next three people. They're from uh, Deadly Inc. Writers Conference from the summer. And uh, this is a journey. This is a journey, these three. Uh, all three of them have a lot of great things to say. This is the first time they're saying it. You know, um, I don't know if any of them had ever done an interview before. And what I want to do is encourage uh, listeners to give their interviews a chance. Uh, they are less polished than some of the others we've had, but we get to hear more heart. And one of them has this fantastic story that pays off the, the challenge of... Uh, their journey, which is really cool. So we're going to hear from Lynn Marin, and then Peter James Quirk, and then David Manfrey. All three um, have fantastic things to say. This is their first journey into interview land, as far as I can tell. So uh, give them a chance, and I think it's a very rewarding experience. Let's let Lynn Marin and Peter James Quirk and David Manfrey tell the damn story. Alex, rest your throat. We'll talk to you next week. All right, brother. Peace. Enjoy the interviews. All right. This is Chris Ryan from uh, Tell the Damn Story. We are here at the Deadly Inc. Mystery Writers Conference in beautiful Parsippany, New Jersey. And I'm here with Lynn Marin, uh, a writer of many things. Lynn, could you tell us a little bit about some of the stuff you write? Well, I write mysteries. I have a series about a DNA uh, expert um, called Grace Farrington, who winds up solving mysteries in her line of work. 
I have a uh, one set up in Mystic, Connecticut with triplets who were separated when their mother was stabbed and they reunite and they start learning witchcraft as they solve murders around them. Okay. I have a paranormal lawyer. It's really an anthology. Each chapter is one of his clients. He does contracts for werewolves. He settles arguments for gorgons mm -hmm. and he is in love with a mermaid. And I also do a fantasy of uh, centaurs, centaur warriors. Picture a guy the size of a Clydesdale going out there with his troop, his regiment, and fighting in a kind of a medieval type world. That, you seem like there's uh, a wide range of styles there. How do you know what you're going to, what style, what genre you're going to write in? Uh, what comes first, the, the genre or the character? Or how's that work out for you? Well, I'm going to go a little bit off on that. What I do, I can write just about anything except poetry and resumes. The resumes would have been important and would have advanced my career. Poetry, I originally started on the Center series when they had an anthology, a, a a, what they call a coffee table book that was supposed to be put out by centaurs for centaurs as kind of a, an erotic romantic thing. So I wrote uh, two stories for that that were accepted. And uh, one of them, my center warrior, Jake, um, he was a soldier but a poet. Now, again, I can't write poetry. But I figured one line. What can you mess up with one line? I mean, you don't have to worry about rhyming it or anything. So I sent it. The editor loved the story, but he wrote back, uh, you had a problem with that poetry line. I think we're going to take one with the permission of one of the other authors in it and put it in yours manuscript. Okay. All right. That's cool. <laughs> um, I've also done radio scripts. I absolutely love radio. Because with oh, just my partner is a big radio fan too. So oh that's great. God! Well, you know, I got to tell you who I met once. Um, but I love radio because of just a few sound effects. You can make anything in the world. Yeah. So you got a great budget. Um, one of my favorites, which I've none, they haven't done my books yet, but I have dreams that someday graphic audio is going to do my books because I love the way they do it, which is casts and a few sound effects. Mm -hmm. And when they do readings, it's marvelous. Okay. Um, you also uh, you also did comic. Books, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. we have a big, uh, uh, a good portion I, of our audience of comics. So, what did you write for comics? I worked for uh, DC uh, periodical, national periodicals. Sure. I was working for Joe Orlando. Mm -hmm. He was doing a Wonder Woman, Superman at that sure. time. Sure. I did things like House of Mystery, House of Secrets. Um, it, it was fascinating because and you were writing. Yeah, That's I excellent. came from a uh, as a kid. I wanted to be an artist all my life. And uh, when you're a kid, they just give you more stuff at Christmas, sure, you know, sure, box. Sure. But when you hit like teenage years, they say, well, what are you going to do that's going to be practical and earn money, <laughs> you know? And I still wanted to be an artist. I did get, uh, I had to work a few years because my family didn't approve of, yeah, you know, sure. running up debt. And uh, I started going, I had two years of art school. I had a job. I had a long commute, like four hour commute. And I burned myself out horribly because I didn't like modern art, but mm -hmm. I love painting and drawing. Um, I got to the point at the end, I said, what can I do with an associate degree? 
And they said, if you run out of toilet paper. Ah, da, 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 da. Yeah. But, and I sat down that day and I said, okay, I want to be a millionaire. And to be a millionaire, you got to work 14 hours a day. It's got to be something you love. So what did I love? I love television. I love daydreaming. Uh, my mother always said they were going to put me away because I talked to myself. Yeah. My problem is now I answer myself. But, you know, my husband says, don't worry, honey, we don't have enough money to put you away. So, you know. But <laughs> so now uh, how did that get you to come to writing? Comic? Well, oh, wait a second. We're getting there. All right. I um, started out television scripts. I mean, sure. that's me. Perfect. And I started writing them at home. And I go to the library, research every book I can get sure. on site. I uh, finally got, I never had enough nerve to send them out. I lived in Hicksville, Long Island, mm -hmm. and you know, what are you gonna do there? And uh, one day I did get up nerve and I wrote a woman who had been the uh, script consultant for Star Trek, Okay. DC Fontana. Now I had dreamed of, you know, maybe submitting something to her, but sure. I thought her was a big cigar smoking guy, DC Fontana. Okay. Ah, that's great. And uh, she, uh, when I found out, I saw a picture of her in one of these magazines, and I said, oh, she looks so nice, and you know. So I wrote her and asked her about how do you get into television writing. She sent me to a college out in Pennsylvania called Clarion, mm -hmm. and I got some of the major science fiction editors, uh, Kate Wilhelm, Damon Knight, um, uh, the uh, Harlan Ellison, oh, Fritz Harlan. Leiber. I got Fritz. To, wow. Oh. Well, wow. I lived with him for a time out in San Francisco. Okay. You know, when I'd go out and visit there, I'd stay at his apartment. He's, mm -hmm. He was a wonderful, wonderful man. And uh, you're, you're getting, you're learning right. tremendously. I didn't even appreciate what I was getting at that time. Sure. Do, um, I ran into one of the guys who was writing comics there, and uh, we got him drunk one night. He was 17 at the time, and uh, he was <laughs> selling. And I can't think of his name right now. And uh, we were working on it and he gave a symposium on how to write for comics. So, came home, studied the comic books. I had, as a kid, I had used to sit, they used to let me sit in the store and mm. if I kept the comics neat and quiet, I could sit there and read comics right. all day after school and I loved it. So I sent in, just in the mail, over the transom into the, uh, the national periodicals and they bought my first script. What was it, do you remember what the script was? Uh, Wings of Jealous Gods, I think. Um, like I, what character? It was, no, this was not, this was House of Mystery, House of Secrets. This was the anthology okay. yep, once. Yep, yep. Okay. And the character was a um, flying horse. Okay. Now, uh, that became a cover. A lot of my stuff, because I'm, uh, you know, focused on it, mm -hmm. a lot of my stuff becomes like cover art. Very visual. Yeah. Yep. And I haven't done anything for years because somebody told me, oh, comics are going to be dead soon, you know, five years. And I listened to them like an idiot. But I'm getting back into it now. I just did a uh, black and white comic for Creeps magazine because I used to work for Warren, sure. Creepy, Eerie, and Vampirilla. Right. And um, I did uh, one time. My favorite one was they sometimes they gave you a cover picture, and the artistry on those covers were incredible. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I, and, I remember. Yeah, and I got one, and they had a picture. It was the story was spellbound. And you had to describe the picture at the beginning, the middle, or the end. You could pick yourself. Right. And I had so much fun with that. That was wonderful. So last Deadly Ink conference that I was at, 
uh, Teal Glenn came over. Mm -hmm. We and, know Teal. Yeah, and he said that, uh, you know, you said you were writing for Creepy. He says, now there's Creeps Magazine out, and I hadn't heard of it before. And he says, if they, they'd love your work. So I got home. I found out that Creeps Magazine is in Barnes & Noble. I got one. I sent for two more copies, and I studied it. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's sure. pretty much what I was doing last year. That's what year. you have to do. So then I sat there and said, well, who can I murder as soon as I can? And I did a mermaid story. Mm -hmm. And that story, I believe, I, I, not more, I believe, I know, is going to be in their December issue. It's Excellent. on the Internet now, and my name is on the front cover. That's very cool. And, uh, yes, well, I was very proud, you know, when uh, the Warren magazines, they said, we have the finest and the best artists, mm -hmm. you know, and writers here. And I showed my mother, and she says, of course they can say that. It's their magazine, you know. <laughs> but... Uh, um, so, so let's talk about uh, how you get all this stuff done. What's your writing uh, routine like? What's your discipline? Um, fortunately, I got married, which helped with the money a bit. Okay. And so I'm home. I've gotten, I had two twin sons later in life than most people, and they're just starting college now. Okay. And I uh, am able, I, I'm compulsive. I get up. In fact, one of my bigger problems is now my doctor is screaming, you've got to not, I sit there for seven hours. Right, right, right. And I don't even realize the time is passing. Move, yeah. yeah, I turn on the TV, so I have the TV in the background, nothing that Just I'm interested white noise, in. Yeah. White noise. Or I turn on the radio, white noise. Mm -hmm. And then um, I bought one of those desks that rises. Right. So you're supposed to stand up. Right. And I've got a timer, you know, so to stop right. trying to get me to be a little bit more active. But other than that, I just sit there and type. Yeah. Um, I have a great big typewriter screen. I sit in a comfortable chair. The keyboard's on my lap. Uh, you know, I've got a remote uh, mouse. Okay. And I just go at it. Um, so, are you a plotter or a pantser? I am both, really. So you're uh, a plantser. Yeah, yeah, I am. So I explain am. how. Um, I generally kind of know the ending. Mm. Not that I won't change it, right. but I generally know where I have to have something I'm headed toward. Right. Because otherwise you write so much volumes and you got to throw it away. Um, I have certain formats. Uh, since I have the series, I have, my, I have a whole spreadsheet of my general characters. And then I always add new characters in each book. Right. And you're trying to get somebody unique. Now, when I'm not writing, I'm soaking up any information. I, I've believed as a kid that you have to feed the mind. If right. you want to get something creative out of it, right. the more you give it. I have uh, still keep subscriptions to National Geographic, mm -hmm. uh, Smithsonian, uh, the Modern Science, you know, a whole bunch of magazines right. that come in and you just skim through them and try to find stuff. I pick up a lot of stuff on the internet. I just go in and I, I'm now I'm doing uh, the, the sites that are supposed to be, um, oh, uh, not Brightport. What's what's the um, oh, um, the, um Drudge. Yeah. Drudge. Now just that's the supposed to be game. what is trending, and I and I'm not interested in the current politics or the current. I, I don't like movies or you know not that I don't like them, but I'm not interested in them, mm -hmm. and I'm not interested in those things. What I want to pick are the small stories, mm -hmm. and I, there's a very bad Ebola outbreak right now, and you're not hearing much of that at all, but it's out there, and I'm a little worried because I have friends going to Africa, and um, just, I love anything archaeology, um, 
you know, what new discovery. So my husband is trying to break me of going on clickbait. Right. I've always, yeah, and, and they don't give you anything that I don't know already. So I've, I've kind of given up on them, but they, it's always new discovery. You know, King Tut's sister is yeah, found. Yeah, you, know, you got to be careful. You go down those rabbit holes. Oh, and you're God, down, I so. kill up my computer. Yeah. Um, so do you have a, do you go by word count? Do you go by deadline? I got to have this story done by this date. What works for you? Okay, every time I start a book, um, I have a general time. I never make it, but I have a general time. Every morning, I'm methodical about this. I learned this from Glenn Cook. You get up, and I have the day before, I put the date, I put what project I was working on, and I put the word count. And sometimes I'll put, you know, how many pages I did before the other day. You have to drop that toward the end right, when you right, start right. rewriting. But just to let you know that you're working and you're going someplace. And usually, although I'll work on other projects, I'll be kind of sticking to the one one until right. it's finished. Right. Um, what's the uh, process for you or um, procedures for sending out, and if you get a rejection, sending it back out? Do you have oh, a policy for that? Oh, that is so hard. I mean, I, I cannot stand the it. rejection. I, yeah. I, I stopped, when I got married, I really stopped for about 20 years, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until when the kids were going to college I said I needed money, so I went back again. Right. But uh, getting rejected, and I get so depressed, I'm trying to find an agent now. Yeah. I haven't sent anything out in months, just, you know. Well, you got the creep thing. Creeps well, thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, so. but I meant an agent to try to get well, an yeah, agent. Yeah, yeah my uh, other one's dead. <laughs> so well, that's well, kind of this, you yeah. know. Yes. You took those 20 years off. That's yeah. A, that's a big gap. Yeah, that is. Um, were you rusty when you got back into it? Or no, did you, no. No? I never stopped. You know, when I say writing, writing for me is daydreaming, playing. I'm always doing that in my mind. Right, I'm right. always running fantasies. And then when I get a few good ones, I put them down. And and sometimes I'll use them, you know, and sometimes I just discard them. But um, with computers, are fabulous now. You just keep... Uh, when I write, it's, it's very hard to cut things because, you know, you love it. And, you got to kill your babies. But though. you got to do it at times. So what I always do is have a holding file. So, you know, if it's something that I don't want to lose, I cut it out. I'll probably never look at it again, but I don't feel bad because it's in the holding file. And if I wanted to go back, I could right. get it. But I don't, you know. Yeah, I'd, I'd use the extra file and put all the stuff in there so you know you can get it back and you never go back. And you just, it, it, yeah. it really is a good way to uh, get the editing process moving forward yeah. without saying, oh my God, I ruined this story. It's just there. It's right yeah. there. So. Yeah, and it's once in a while. I should do more backups than I don't do. My husband's not on backups, but I, they, they get too many and they confuse me after right. a while. I just want to have one copy that I'm working on and you know, uh, know it. So how about uh, rewrites? What, uh, what's, your, what's your policy on rewrites? I keep... Oh, God, even when it's a print, I want to rewrite it. You well, know, and, true, but you know, it's, uh, we don't ever it's, finish art. We just abandon it, right? It's, George yeah. Lucas. It's hellacious. Um, it's, it's the hardest I mean, are part. you a three, uh, four rewrites, ten rewrites? What, okay. what do you do before you think, okay, okay, it's ready to send out? I've written it. I've headed for 300 pages. Usually I make it. Um, and I give a total rewrite, the okay. second edit make a lot of changes usually at that point before I send it up to stairs to my husband to read it I'll do a third 
rewrite at mm -hmm. least mm -hmm. and uh, he'll read it we'll come back with changes I'll do a, another rewrite before I send it out and and I really hate that part of it but yeah. you know it's um, I've hired people to uh, read my stuff and that didn't work out too well um, now you know it, it's you don't know how many times you can read something and still open the book up and find an error in oh, the yeah. middle of it. And it's just heartbreaking. Oh, God. You know, you try so hard and oh, you yeah. feel so bad and it's, it's oh, yeah. you know. So let's... Uh, now, i got to tell you, go now, we started talking about the radio and years ago, I wrote a radio script. It was done out in Ohio. I was supposed to be paid with the tape. The tape machine broke or something. I never got the tape. Uh, that was called The Spinning Witch. Um, and then I heard Hiram Brown. Have you ever heard of him? He did radio mystery theater in the golden age of radio. Okay. Like He was in his 80s, 90s when I saw him. I didn't see him, actually. What happened was um, I had a friend, a friend of my mother, and she said, I was trying to get an appointment. I didn't have the nerve to call. And she says, I'll call for you. And I thought, oh, she's going to say she's my secretary and make me sound really right. important. And she calls up and she says, oh, this is this young writer and, and she needs to see somebody. Couldn't you see her just for 10 minutes or something? So I got the assistant producer. It was a nice woman. And uh, I made an appointment to go into New York City. Right. I went in two hours early in case the trains were late. I went down to, uh, I think he was doing CBS at the time, and they had this great building and they had like a wooden uh, gateway and they had guards. And I sat there. And... The guard was probably an actor working or something, and every time he'd come for somebody, he'd come and say, your time has come. Oh, man. And they'd walk in. I'd never see them come out, so I was getting kind of scared. <laughs> so it turned out the woman got sick that day, hadn't come in. So, But I knew Hyman Brown was going to be there at 6 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. So the next day, I fortify myself with cold pizza at 6 a.m. in the morning. Okay. Call him up. And I start, oh, I'm a young writer. I've got to want to talk to you. Just, you know, I've got this chopping block mystery. And you hear this operatic, fabulous radio voice mm -hmm. coming out. Young woman, enunciate. You know. Yes. And the, the end thing was, madam, if I am here at 6 a.m. in the morning, I do not have time for people like you. So I got him to, to look at the script. I sent it in. It came back in three days, which is an all-time new for the post office, okay. you know, I don't think they even opened it, but, you know, that's life. Um, so I keep writing, uh, I've done, I was hired for a bit for uh, a dialoguer for soap operas, Okay. and that is, I loved it, most people hate it, but I loved it, it didn't last long because we didn't get our syndication, but what you do is the head writer makes up a whole timeline, breaks it down by week, then breaks it down by days. And they tell you what's, who's going to do what, and then you dialogue it. Mm -hmm. And, oh, man, that Big was fun. so... Yeah, besides this, I was making like, uh, you know, $100 a week or something at that time as a temporary secretary. Right. And they were going to pay me $400 a week. That's fine. And if I figured easily I could work into two scripts, so that's $800 right. a week. So I went for the, the final interview with the guy, Don Wallace. He lived out on Long Island. 
a beautiful, you know, well, right. I lived on Long Island. He lived on a private island attached to Long Island. Okay. And we went across the bridge. The guard there said, um, uh, you know, had my name, Miss Marrick. So I drive on this thing, and I'm getting nervous as hell. You know, this guy's giving me a job, and I'm really excited about it. And I must have made a wrong turn. The island is it's all in wooded area. Right. The island road went from asphalt to kind of a sandy dirt. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's okay. I just got to get to his place. And I'm up ahead and there's a tree across the way. And it wasn't a big tree. It was like two inches, maybe five inches. Okay. But you know, no branches, right? right just right, a tree. Right. And I figured, oh God, I'm late. I don't want to get late. And so I figured, well, I had a Pinto then. Now yeah. that Pinto was probably two years off from being a classic car, but it was still that. running. Okay. And I figured my wheels are bigger than the tree. So I went oh, over no. the tree. The wheels made it. At least uh, the front ones did. Not. No, no. And I'm we know. Right. Okay. I'll do doesn't matter what happens to the car, I'm gonna go in, do the interview. I won't say anything to the Wallaces. I'll right. just walk out to one of their neighbors and I'll ask them to let me call AAA or they can call the guard and I'll right. be towed away. Either way, I get off the island. So I walk over to the Wallaces, knock, and they look out and they say, where's your car? Oh, you know, I such a beautiful day. I parked it down and walked over here. He said, you can't do that. This is a private island. They're gonna to come tow you. I'm thinking, yeah, they're gonna to have to tow me. So poor Don Did you get Wallace. the gig? I, well, I got the gig, but this was the one that didn't work on the syndication. Right, right, right. And right. he taught me something valuable. Uh, the first script I did for him, I did really fast. I took a day off from work and just right. did it. The second time, I did another script for him, and he liked it, but he says, you know, the first one was a lot better. Right. And what happened was I learned the second time I had written it, and then I went back and tried to correct the English a bit. You don't correct dialogue. Dialogue is not English. Right. It's not even dialogue. It's, it's an impression of right. dialogue. Right. Yeah. So, so what what can people look forward to in the coming months? Okay, I've got. I just published a book, uh, which is called the. Um, it's. God, I've got to think of it now. I'm working on all the new stuff and you forget the old stuff. Uh, this is the Mystics Triplets series, mm -hmm. and it's about witches up in Mystic, and it is the uh, murder at the mill, mm -hmm. and it tells what really happened to Holly's mother. Okay, and, and when's that coming up? That just came out two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, excellent. And you got the Creeps magazine coming out, out in, in December. December. Okay, yeah. now if someone is interested in uh, finding out more about you, where can we send them? Uh, LynnMarron.com. So that's L-Y-N-N-M-A-R-R-O-N at dot com. Beautiful. And thank you, Lynn, for the interview. Well, thank you. It was nice talking to you. Keep going and tell the damn story. Okay. Thanks. All right, this is Chris Ryan uh, at the Deadly Inc. Mystery Co uh, Mystery Writers Conference um, in Parsippany, New Jersey, and I'm here with Peter James Quirk. Peter, talk to you. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you write? What? Uh... Well, I, I I write what what I know, and I was I'm a ski instructor, so my first novel was about skiing. Mm -hmm. uh, and because I'm a ski instructor, I know the foibles of ski instructors, so I made my villain a disgraced ski instructor. Okay, fantastic. Uh, 
And uh, what's the name of that novel? A Trail of Vengeance. Trail of Vengeance. Okay. Um, Ah, there Here it is. It is. Trial of, uh, Vengeance, nicely done. And uh, you have other books as well? Yes, uh, I I have one other novel. There you go. Fisherman of Carity. All right. Which I also was a fisherman once, so uh, that that so I was able to come up with a lot of realistic stuff about fishermen, you know. And these are both mysteries. The well, this is a. This is an open mystery. It's more like a Columbo story. Okay. Uh, Trail of Vengeance, more of a Columbo type. Okay. Yeah, the the villain. You, I introduced the villain in the second second chapter, mm-hmm. and I, and the that the the protagonist is a a, a New York detective, a woman, mm-hmm. and uh, and the guy is this great ski instructor has just got fired from a. A skier in the Alps. He go back. He goes back to Antwerp, where he lives, mm-hmm. with his tail between his legs. Right, right, right. And meets up with a bunch of people that uh, thinking of going into jewelry robbery. Ah. So they they become jewelry thieves. So a little bit, a little bit of a heist uh, feel to it too. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. And how about Fisherman of Carity? Fisherman of Carity is starts off in World War Two. And then, then moves quickly to 1958 in in the, in the Catskills, uh, where a French artist is is dies mysteriously, and her uh, son, who is a freshman in college, searches through her art studio, finds finds a journal uh, of her of her previous life in France. Mm-hmm. And then realizes through reading that German journal that there's well one thing he learns that he never knew before was when she escaped from Germany uh, from France during World War Two she was six months pregnant okay with him oh wow <laughs> you know and he didn't even know that his, his father wasn't his real father wow that's crazy that's wild. Well, it, it, it's a twist. Sure. And, you know. So, uh, talk to me about. Um, uh, you sound like you've had so many different lives. How did you arrive at writer? How did that happen? Uh, I, I, I was I was a seaman. I was a fisherman. Uh, actually, that was my high school job, being a fisherman. Okay. <laughs> we fished off off the south coast of England. Uh, mm-hmm. Went out, you know. There was no dark. We just pushed out off the beach and off we went. And off we went, and uh, you know, we used to do this kind of fishing called trammeling, mm-hmm. which is you go out two hours after high tide and string nets across parallel to the shore. All right. The first two hours, a, a, a lot of um, a lot, all the garbage goes out. Sure. So you sure. wait two hours, put then put out the nets. And then at low tide, you pull them back in, yeah. full of fish. <laughs> That's cooperative fish right there. Yeah, Excellent. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and you've, you've done the fishing, you've done the ski instructing, yeah. right? Now, neither of those jobs are the cliched training for writing novels. Mm, no so I'm not. interested in seeing the jump from these oh. lives to the writing life. How did that well, happen? 
I came to America to help a friend of mine who had emigrated here before. I was just was starting a construction business. And he called me and asked, asked me, or wrote to me and asked me if he if I could join help him run the business. Mm -hmm. Now, I think I figured I'd be over here for five years. Right. This is your third life now, construction. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So, but I, I got work in construction. And I met a girl. As, <laughs> as happens. <laughs> and so I, I, I worked in construction for 30 years over here. And I had an accident, a bad accident, a scaffold collapsed underneath me in 1990, no, in 1992. Okay. And I was laid up for two years, or so 18 months. And I'm a voracious reader. So I read a lot of books. And then I read one from somebody I knew, actually, and I couldn't believe, it was so terrible, I couldn't believe that they ever printed it. <laughs> and so I said, well, I could do better than that. And then I think to myself, well, I'm laid up, I, I can't do anything else, why don't I give it a shot? So 18 months later, I can go back to work, I have this Trail of Engines first written, and about halfway through finished, you know. So I continued working on it in the morning. I get up, get up about four in the morning, work right. with a couple of hours, sure. you know. And finally, it took me, I finally, I finally wrote a version that was, people were willing to print. It came out in 2005, which right. is like 10 years later. Yeah, yeah but. Uh, that's, but, well, that's an, uh, how did, what was that journey like? Well, a lot of uh, submitting and waiting and. Yeah, well, uh, I wrote it several times. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I figured, no, this is not good enough. Or other people told me it's not right, good right, enough. Right, you, right, know. Right, right. you know, and. But at the same time, I was trying to recover you know, sure. a lot of, you know, I had brain problems and back problems and, you know, ah, okay. so uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, rehabilitation of, right. uh, of my body at the same time. I'm, I'm perfectly fine now, uh, thank mm -hmm. God, but, thank uh, God, yeah. but uh, as I say, and, and I, I, got this, I got this book out and found a publisher. And actually, I, 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 I wrote to, um, to uh, Writer's Digest, okay, and, and and to find a find an editor, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and and I got one, uh, and he was quite a famous writer himself, uh, and uh, and he liked my he, li he, li he liked my work, you know, because I start I I actually started off with with the villain, you know, and uh, and of course the villains are much easier to write and make right. more interesting to write about mm -hmm. and and he said he said well no you you've got to start off with with the good guy and right. get 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 that get that in people's heads you can't, you can't make make the villain too sympathetic sounding you know? that's fantastic even, even though even though he was I wasn't trying to make him sympathetic but he, at least he was interesting you yeah, know sure Okay. So, so what is your daily writer? Do you write every day? Is what is your routine like? 
I say I've just finished this novel. I, just, uh, I finished it this year. Uh, the uh, Fisherman of Charity. Yeah. yeah, it just came out, so I'm taking a break. I actually have to go to England to a wedding, a family wedding, mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks. So uh, I probably won't start writing again. Although I'm, I, I work for uh, Sherlock Holmes Mystery Magazine, and mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm writing a, a, a non-fiction story about. Uh, a pi- uh, American pirate. Right now. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so are you uh, like kind of a binge writer when you have a project you're writing all the time and then you take some time away from it, or? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, so how do you get the um, uh, the engine roaring again? How do you how do you jump back into it after being away? Is it the idea that drives you? Is well, it... The ideas sometimes drive me, uh, uh, drive me, but you know, sometimes it's the editor of Sherlock Holmes Mystery Magazine. Oh, see, like, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and he's always he's, he's always hot for uh, fiction work, uh, non-fiction work. Okay. So I, 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 I try to find sh- shady characters, uh, interesting shady characters okay. to write about. Yeah. And I had one guy called Eddie Chapman. He was, he was actually, he was a small-time crook in England mm-hmm. when war, World War II started, and he had been caught and thrown in jail in the, on the island of Jersey. Mm-hmm. Okay, in, yeah. in, in, in the English island uh, of Jersey, yeah. And the island of Jersey is one of the few parts of England that the, the Germans took over. Right. That they, they ran over around the island, and, and so, to, to get out of jail, he offered to spy for them. For the Germans? For the Germans, yeah. Well, they didn't take him up for about six months, and then suddenly somebody came and said, well, let's give him a try. You know? mm-hmm. So they trained him in explosives, how to jump out of airplanes and all that stuff. And they dropped him in, dropped him over England to blow up an aircraft factory. And... Uh, so soon he landed, he, he went straight to the British Secret Service and said, "Here's what's happening." Uh, yeah, and so he's a double agent. Oh, that's excellent. That's throughout the entire war, and he was a really, he was really a, a colorful character who just loved, uh, you know, just loved the adventure, and uh, even he even came up with credible, credible uh, plot to kill Hitler. Oh wow! Yeah. Now this is an article you you are writing now, or you have written this, for Sherlock. Sure. I, I, I wrote I wrote for Sherlock Holmes Mystery Magazine yeah. about five years ago. About actually. five years ago, cool. Yeah. And you're still with Sherlock Holmes Mystery Magazine. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we can find some of your work there, or at least your editing work uh, in Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, I like that. Hey. I guess what I'm asking is, you know, where can uh, interested uh, people in the audience find your get, find Trail of Vengeance, tra- find well, Fishman of Carity? Where can you find the, it? These are there on Amazon, uh, and also Sherlock Holmes Mystery Magazine is on Amazon, and it's very easy to uh, to find one with with my writing in it because my name will always be on the cover. There you go. Excellent. Excellent. So. Uh, Peter James uh, Quirk, yeah. and it's uh, Trail of Vengeance and yeah. Fisherman and Carity, 
and the Sherlock Holmes Mystery Magazine. There's one right here. Mm. Uh, issue number 26 has, uh, has not only Peter James Quirk, but uh, Teal, Teal James Vicky Glenn, Victoria uh, Weisfeld, who's also... <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people from uh, Deadly Inc. So uh, give it a try. Thank you for your time. Thank you. And uh, go tell that damn story. Hey, this is Chris Ryan with Tell the Damn Story, and I'm here with David Manfrey. Uh, we're going to talk about writing and getting there. Getting there is the uh, uh, the goal here. So, David, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I am a Jersey boy, um, Jersey boy through and through. Lived here my entire life. Um, I. How about your writing? Well, um, most of the stories that I've written so far take place here in Jersey, and um, the most common uh, places that I uh, have written um, or that I will write outside of Jersey are the places to which I have easy access. Um, if it's a city that's New York or Philly, being that I grew up and I've lived my entire life halfway between the two oh. of them, or a nearby suburb like New Hope, PA. Sure. Beautiful town. Right. So, you know, New York City, Philadelphia, I think you can uh, agree that very different feels to those two cities. Correct, right? but each one is still a major, vibrant oh. city with loads to do there. Definitely. Um, does one city or the other attract you uh, for a particular kind of story? Would you see a crime story more, oh, that's more of a Philly story, or that's a New York story, or does it become, is it more organic for you? It's more organic for me. Right, okay. So, um, how, you've, I know you have uh, a story published in a uh, anthology. Yes. What's the name of that? The story is called Fires of Spring, and it's, in the anthology called 30 Shades of Dead. 30 Shades of Dead, yes, excellent. So uh, let's talk about um, process. So how do you go about um, your writing? Is it a daily thing? Do you have a, a routine? What is what, what, is, what works for you? I, <clears throat> I write up to five days a week. If I were to write fewer than five days, in any given week, it's because I finished the story mm -hmm. before day five. Yeah. And as a rule, whether I'm writing or not, I'm doing something in the writing process, whether it's the actual writing or developing a story or editing or, or trying to figure out who my characters are, what they're doing, something so, related to writing. So you're not... Writing isn't only sitting at the keyboard. It's you know you might be thinking about character while you're going to pick up some milk or this or that. It's you know that's one of the, the secrets about writing is you if you're writing you're you're always writing to some some degree. Yes. You know you have to put the time in. Yes. Uh, but you know maybe going out for a walk and thinking about uh, the background of this character or that character. Uh, yes. So. Yes. So are you a morning writer, afternoon, evening, or what's your routine like? Uh, well, I, um, I generally write in the morning. Um, there's two particular days because of my schedules, those 
day. Well, my scheduling calendar when I write in the the afternoon or evening. Um, basically, where if I I find the time, I usually find it in the morning. But um, one day a week, I volunteer at my local hospital um, and do the times I volunteer. I don't get the chance to write in the morning, so I have mm. to do it uh, in the afternoon or well, evening. But you still you still make sure you put in that time. Yes. So, um, are you a plotter or a pantser? Do you have a long uh, a list of what's going to happen, or do you kind of make it up as you're writing? I am largely a pantser, though I um, what if I have what if I I come up with a, a plot for a story. I I use um, three Microsoft uh, Word documents. One is the um, the details. You can take the table. Author signings, and we've run out of table. You can have the table, ladies and gentlemen. The table is disappearing. Wait, do we need tables and chairs? I can't carry the table and the chairs. Just carry the chairs. Do you want us to bring the table, uh, the chairs? We'll follow you with the chairs? There might, I don't know what the chair situation is to table. Okay. I just only know what the table situation is. All right. So, uh, uh, do you do a lot of rewrites? Uh, well, I didn't finish my last. Okay, sure. Yeah, um, basically, I have um, three uh, uh, documents. Um, in one of the documents, I, I like, uh, the characters and uh, uh, and the plot and where and when it takes place. Mm-hmm. Nothing else, just a list of all the details from uh, that story and others. And the third one, it's thing, uh, basically bullet points of what I want to uh, put into the story. So you're you're both writing and taking notes. Yeah. For a reference and for future at yeah. the same time. That's yeah. great. Um, if I, I do include notes of why um, of what put into story. If I have a main character, or any character who establishes he has an older brother, right? I make sure to put that note in the appropriate spot in my first document. So this way, the you don't want to make the older brother an older sister later in the story, right? Well, a younger. Well, younger, yeah, yeah, yeah excellent. Yeah. And uh, so, so it's just like notes, it not details like um, one of the notes I I'd put in for the, uh, for a future rank is that my main character visits uh, this restaurant or says at some point he loves a certain show. Cool. So it's not nothing wrong. Right. And I, to answer your latest question that you asked, I do do rewrites. Rewrites. Sure. I, gotta, gotta I rewrite. walk over the story for um, for mistakes, and mm. I found a lot of mistakes. That's part of the process, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes. So if, if people want to know more about you, where they where can they find more about Dave? <coughs> well, um, I don't have a um, a website right now, but then again, I have one story out. Um, I am on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Trantor, T 
T-R-A-N-T-O-R-1701. And it's my personal um, uh, Instagram handle. Oh, cool. I have photos of the show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Some of the stuff that fuels your writing, right? Yes. Yeah, cool. Meets my personal. Right. Excellent. And um, 30... Shades of Dead. 30 Shades of Dead. So those are the two places you can uh, find a little more about David. Thank you, and thanks for telling the damn story. Eight times.